Alrighty, we're on the bottom of 18b, Yadchet Amabet. We're at Vaaf Rabbi Yonasan Hadar Base, the last three lines on the page. We're in the middle of talking about um, um, we're in the middle of talking about Rabbi Yonasan's view as to if the those that are dead um, know what's going on in this world. Vaaf Rabbi Yonasan Hadar Bay. So Rabbi Yonasan, he himself um retracted on what he on his previous view. From where do we know that the dead speak to each other? Shinamar as the verse says, God said to him, This is the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, or to say. My what does it mean saying? Um, so this is God speaking to Moshe, to Moses, by the way. God was telling Moshe, Lech emor lahem, go and tell them, Avraham liyitzchak Yaakov, go and tell Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov upon your death, that Shavuash nishpati lachem kvar kiyamti livnechem, that the oath that I promised you, I have fulfilled for your children after you. Because by the time Moshe passes away, the Jewish people have entered the land of Israel and start conquering it. So now we're on the top of 19a. And if you're going to tell me that the dead do not know what's going on in this world, then even if Moshe does tell the patriarchs of what happened, why would that make any difference? If it... If that if it doesn't if the if the world if they don't know about the world and it doesn't impact on them then why would it make a difference to them if their children are now conquering the land of Israel? Elamai the Yadi rather it must be that the dead do know of worldly affairs they do are they are sensitive to that uh, but if that's the case then but if it's the case that the dead are aware of what's going on in this world, then why would Moshe be commanded to tell Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov of what's going on? Wouldn't Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov already know? So we seem to have a bit of a dilemma here. Which way is it? So we answer, So the truth is, is that the dead do know. The dead do know what's going on in this world. So why did Moshe have to tell them? It was in order... So that they would, so that Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, our patriarchs, would give goodness to Moshe. They would be able to to um, raise Moshe up in stature and uh, basically thank him for all the good that he had done. So um, that was really the opportunity that God wanted Moshe to have by conversing with the patriarchs. Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, so we have another teaching like this. Anyone that speaks about the dead, negatively, specifically, it's as if you are just talking about some, like a, a stone or a rock, meaning the dead are not affected by what we say in this world. So what does this mean that it's like talking about to a rock or about a rock, I'm sorry? So some say, some say, that the dead don't know what is being said. And some say, some say that they know, it just doesn't make a difference to them. So those are the two possibilities. Any? Now, is this really true that talking about the dead is about is like talking about a rock? But Homer Rav Papa, didn't Rav Papa say, So somebody, one person, 
um, said something about Mar Shmuel after he died. Benafal, and obviously a negative thing. Benafal Kanya Mitalala, and a pole fell from the roof. And it broke through the encasing of his brain. So the person that spoke badly about Marshmul after his death basically um, ended up dying this very horrible death. So what do we see? We see that it seems to be that this was because he spoke negatively about a dead person. <laughs> and if it's true that it's t like talking about a rock, talking about a rock, then why was uh, this person punished in such a way by God? So he answers, In general, it is like talking about a rock, but it's different when it comes to a to when it comes to a Talmud Chacham, when it comes to a Torah scholar, because then God demands retribution for what you would say for any dishonor um, sent in a, in a Torah scholar's way. So that's what was going on here. But but it's not that Marshmul knew about the disparaging remark that this person made. This was just God protecting the honor of the Torah scholars. Omar Bishub and Levi. Bishub and Levi says, Call anybody that speaks about the beds, meaning or about the beds as a refer reference to like the coffin or the deathbeds of a Torah scholar. Um, so anyone that speaks disparagingly about a dead Torah scholar, Nofil Begehenim, will um, basically go to hell. Gehenim is hell. Shinemar, as the verse says, Vahamatim Akalkalosam. So literally translated, uh, literally translated, this is Vahamatim Akalkalosam, those that pervert, or those that turn towards perversion. Yolichem Hashem is Poleha'aven. Hashem will will walk them, will guide them um, towards the Poaleha oven, which is the workers of sin. So basically, so far, this means that those that pervert, um, they will be sent to hell. They'll go with the workers of sin, Okay, which is uh, where, where do they go? Do they go to hell? Now, what's the next part of the verse say? It says, Shalom al Yisrael, peace be on Israel. I feel Yisrael, even when there is peace on Israel, which is a reference to um, a Torah scholar being in peace, um, which is after their death. Yolichem Hashem is Nonetheless, God will still walk them with those that um, are workers of sin, meaning God will still put them in hell. So we see that if you speak disparagingly about a Torah scholar after their death, you still will be punished for it. Okay. Um, all right. Um, another teaching along the same vein. Tana Devei Rabbi Shmuel. There was a teaching in the Academy of Rabbi Ishmael. So this is the end of the second wide line. Um, if you see a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, who transgressed, did a transgression at night, don't think about him during the day. Meaning, meaning, don't think negatively about him during the day. Because perhaps he did teshuva. Perhaps he repented. And we assume he repented. Does it, what do you mean, perhaps he did teshuva? Um, perhaps he repented. We, we, we assume that he for sure repented. So that's why we don't think negatively about him during the day. 
Now, this is not so simple. This is only true if he did a sin that pertained to himself, um, that just impacted himself. That's when we assume that he did teshuva, that he um, uh, repented. But if you saw him do a sin that um, had to do with harming someone else's property or possessions, then you assume, then we do not just assume that he repented and that he did teshuva, but rather we, um, we, we, the, the jury is out until we know that he returned the money or returned the possessions that he had harmed. Um, okay, Vamrashub and Levi. So now this is another teaching of Rabshub and Levi. So it's a, um, it's again, it's a very similar type of lesson. Vamrashub and Levi, Shub and Levi says, um, there are 24 cases in which the Beit Din, in which the Jewish court excommunicates somebody who um, who dishonors a rabbi. And all of them are taught in the Mishnah, in some in in in, in the entirety of the Mishnah. Amr Lebrelazer, Lazar said to him, Hecha, where in the Mishnah are these 24 cases found? So he answered, So he answered, Shubham Levi answered, um, when you find it, meaning go and find them yourself. So Rabbi Lazar went, he searched, and he found three mentions of cases where somebody was, was excommunicated for dishonoring a rabbi or a teacher. What were the three cases? Someone who... Um, disparaged or belittled the concept of washing your hands, which is the the uh, rabbinic concept of washing your hands before eating bread. And then the next case was somebody that speaks about a Torah scholar after their death. And somebody that is arrogant towards God. Okay, now we're going to talk about these instances. Hamasaper achar mitason shel tamidei chachamim. The first, uh, uh, actually, this is the second case, but the first, the second case was somebody that speaks about the mita, about the deathbed, or uh, really, it's somebody that speaks about a Torah scholar after they die negatively. Mahi. Now, what? Where is this mention? What is this case in the Mishnah? Because as I said, because as we said, they found three instances in the Mishnah. One of those was this. So, where in the Mishnah does it talk about this? It's not because we learned in a Mishnah. Um, hu haya Omer, he used to say, Ein mashkin loes hagiores veloes hamishuchreres. So one opinion says that, um, so there's a case of a sota. A sota is a woman who, after a lot of warning, um, the husband has very strong evidence to believe that she committed adultery. So she has to drink a certain water, a certain type of water that will prove her innocence. So the Mishnah says that we don't, give this type of water to somebody that is a convert or to somebody that is a freed slave. But the sages say, Mashkin, we do give them. And the sages said to the opinion that says that you don't give them to drink, um, they said as follows, There was a case of Karkemis, um, who was a free, uh, a woman who had been a slave and now was freed in Jerusalem. And what happened? And Shemaya and Avtalion gave her this sota water to drink. 
And so we see a very clear proof that we do give sota water even to a woman that had once been a slave and is now free. But Omar Lehem, so the opinion that said that you don't give a freed woman a uh, water, this sota water, how would he answer? How did he answer this? So he told them, Dugma Hishkuha, they gave her, Shemayan of Talion, they gave her that water because they were just like her. They themselves were converts. Um, and this was considered, I guess they, he said it in a bit more of a disparaging type of manner, talking about them as converts. Viniduhu, so the sages excommunicated the, this, um, the person that held this opinion um, and said those words about Shemaya ve'avtayon, umes biniduyo, and he actually died while he was in excommunication, v'saklu based in asarono, and the court stoned his coffin, because that is the rule of uh, what you do to somebody that is excommunicated. So we see very clearly this Mishnah suggests the concept that if somebody um, disparages a, um, that if somebody disparages a Torah scholars after their death, which was the case here with Shemaya and Avtalyon, then, um, then they are excommunicated. Okay, so that was the first, that was the, really the second case. Now we're going to talk about the first case, the first instance. Somebody that uh, belittles the concept of washing your hands before eating bread. Um, we are, I'm um, just trying to describe, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 lines down in the wide lines. More towards the end of the line. Someone that belittles the washing before bread. Mahi, what was that case? Meaning, what was the case in the Mishnah that suggested this, that that person was excommunicated? It's not because you learned in the Mishnah. Omar Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda said, God forbid to say that a Kavya bin Mahalo was excommunicated. Because now, just so we're all aware, the opinion that said in the last case that you do give the Soto waters to somebody that was a freed slave was a, was a Kavya. So it would seem from the last story that a Kavya was excommunicated. So now... Rabbi Huda is saying, God forbid that you suggest, should suggest that a kavya was excommunicated. She'ein azar ninelis al kol adam Yisrael, Because the temple courtyards, gates, or doors, did not close on anyone that was as great as a kavya, v'chachma, in wisdom, u'v'tahara, in impurity, u'v'yerashchid, in fear of sin. Ka'akavya b'mahalal, the likes of a kavya b'mahalal. So you... Don't, it, 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 how could you even suggest that he was excommunicated? That doesn't make any sense. Ella esmini do. So rather, who was it that they excommunicated? Es Elazar ben Chanoch. It was Elazar ben Chanoch, the son of Chanoch. Shapik peik ben who belittled the concept of washing your hands before bread. Uchashemes, and when he died, Shalchu Beisdin, Beisdin sent. Um, the court, Jewish court sent and they placed a big stone on top of his coffin in order to teach you that anybody that is excommunicated and dies in their excommunication based in Soklinus Arono, the Jewish court um, stones their coffin. And then we had the third case. We're at the third case now. Hamegis 
Hamegis dato clape maila. The third case of excommunication was somebody that was arrogant against God. Mahi, what was the case in the Mishnah? Ditan, we learned in the Mishnah. Shalach lo Shimon ben Shatach lechoni hamaagel. Shimon ben Shatach said to Choni Hamaagel, who was a quite a righteous man, You really deserve to be excommunicated. And if you were, if only you were not, and if not for the fact that you are Choni, I would have uh, decreed upon you excommunication. But what can I do? Because you sin or you act almost lightheadedly, seemingly lightheadedly in front of God. Um, and yet God still does your will. No different than a son that acts lightheadedly in front of his father. And yet the father still does his son's will. And about someone like you, the verse says, uh, may your father rejoice and your mother be happy, and may the one that gave birth to you be glad. Okay, now we're going to continue on this. So we talked about how there was three cases that Rabbi Lazar was able to find where they excommunicated somebody for um, for going for for uh, dishonoring. Um, dishonoring a rabbi or a teacher, a sulekar, were there no other cases? Vaha'ika the Tanya of Yosef. Wasn't there the case that Rav Yosef taught? Todos Hishromi, there was a man named Todos, the Roman. Dinnehig es b'nei Romi, Hinhig, I'm sorry, Hinhig es b'nei Romi, Lehachilon gedeim kulasim b'lele psachim. And he basically um, instituted a custom for the Jewish people of Rome that they would eat um, kids, so lambs, lambs that were um, that basically had their innards on top of them um, and they would eat this on the eve of Pesach which is how you would eat the Pesach sacrifice in when the when it, when the Beis HaMikdash when the temple was around. Shalach le Shimon ben Shatach Shimon ben Shatach sent to Todos who instituted this custom if you were not Todos Gozrani Alecha Nidui I would have um, excommunicated you, because you are doing, you are feeding the Jewish people um, sacrifices or holy foods outside of the temple area, or at least that's the image that you are projecting. You're giving off that impression, and that is not a good thing. If you were not todos, so if you're not a righteous person, I would have excommunicated you. Okay, so now we see another scenario where there would have been a case where somebody was deserving of excommunication. So why didn't Rabbi Lazar know about that case? So we answer, When we talked about the 24 cases, those were ones that were found in the Mishnah. Whereas this case of Todos the Roman, that's actually found in a Brisa, not in a Mishnah. And are there no more um, cases like this in the Mishnah? But what about the following case? This is a very, uh, this this is a pretty, this is a very important, important story. We don't get into it so much here. It's uh, we get into it in other places, but we're going to reference this story, um, and it goes like this: So if you took an oven and you cut it into chulios, you cut it into sections. 
And then you put sand between each section um, and then uh, basically uh, cemented them together, each section. So now you have an oven, it's just it's made of pieces instead of being a solid. Rabbi Lazar says that it's no longer susceptible to impurity. Or if it had been, if it had become impure, this was considered broken. Um, the, a way to get away its impurity would be to break it completely and to create a new thing. So basically, Rebbe Lazar feels that this is going to be pure now. The Chacham Metanim and the sages say it's still either susceptible to impurity or it's pure now. It's still impure. And this was the case of the, of the oven and the snake. Um... Because basically, I guess a snake had gotten into it, which would impure, which would Im, which would make the oven impure, and then it broke, um, and then they rebuilt it. Would that would that work to take away the impurity? Nayachnai. That's basically the story. So, what exactly does it mean? A snake? Amar. Why was this oven called the oven with the snake? Amar. Rabbi Huda. Amar Shmuel. Rabbi said in the name of Shmuel. Um, so this is more of a. This is the uh, this is the um, more homiletic way of understanding this. It's It means that the sages um, basically surrounded Rabbi Lazar like a snake with many different halachos, with many different proofs from Jewish law that he was wrong. And they said that it was impure against Rabbi Lazar who said it was pure. And what happened? We learned in Hebrew. That day, they brought every thing that Rebbe Lazar had said was pure based on this ruling. And they burnt it in front of him. And in the end, they blessed him, which is a euphemism for excommunicating him. Um, I think it was because he was insistent that he was correct, which gets to the rest of the story, which we will not go into right now. So anyways, we see here another scenario where somebody is excommunicated. So why didn't Rebbe Lazar know about this one? Why did he only find three? So he answered, The point is, is that um, there are 24 times that where we find that someone was excommunicated in the Mishnah. He only found three of them. He didn't find this one because this was not an excommunication in the Mishnah. That part of the story, the excommunication part of the story is only found in a Brisa. So, but if this is the case, where are the 24 places that Rabbi Shub and Levi was referring to where he said that there are 24 places in the Mishnah where it talks about excommunication? So the answer is Rabbi Shub and Levi, it's quite possible Rabbi Shub and Levi did not actually find 24 specific unique cases, but he compared one case to another, and in the end he was able to figure out 24 cases because he could draw comparisons between different cases. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar um, did not compare one case to the other, so only found three unique cases where um, excommunication is discussed in the Mishnah. Okay, that is the end of that part of the Gemara. And now we're going to go back to talk about the Mishnah, um, about saying Shema during the funeral, before the funeral, and after the funeral. We will um, we'll stop here for right now. Um, let's just quickly go over what we were talking about. Basically, we were trying to bring proofs as to whether the dead are aware of what's going on in this world or not, whether they're sensitive to it, whether it impacts them. Um, so that was the first discussion. Then we talked about seeing a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, do a transgression at night, 
what do we assume about him during the day? Then we talked about the 24 places in the Mishnah where we find people excommunicated uh, because of dishonoring a teacher, a rabbi, um, perhaps even God. And um, we, Rebel Lazar was only able to find three of them. Then we went through what those three cases were specifically. We asked what about these other cases, and we gave answers that they weren't specifically said of the Mishnah. Then we reconciled the fact that where are these other twenty? Where are the other twenty-one cases? Um, okay, and then we um, that was basically as far as we got. And um, in our next podcast, we'll. Um, continue the last two thirds of the in the last third of the page, where we'll talk about the Mishnah um, saying Shema during, after, before a funeral.